Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, hello there, my beautiful red women out there. Those of you who are called to be walking this extraordinary edge of female evolutionary leadership, spiritual leadership, moving to the edges of our own evolutionary development and growth. This is really what we're about, these conversations. As to what it means to be a woman who is walking this Magdalena path, the path of the red woman. So I am today truly honored and excited because I have one of my dearest senior priestess sisters, Letty Sullivan. Hello, darling. Hello, hello. It's always fun. I can put my hands together. (laughs) What will we talk about today? I want to tell you a little bit about Letty. You can read all about her on the page, but what I want you to know about Letty is Letty has been within the Priestess Presence Temple, which is the temple that I have focalized and gate kept for the last, I don't know, nine years. Letty has been a seminal sister, a temple pillar within that community, and she's one of the faculty. She's a priestess mentor in that community, as well as being part of our sacred living hive. She was part of implementing that with us within the Priestess Presence Temple and is really one of my core teachers for myself, as well as a core teacher within the programs that I offer in that other part of my life over there in the Priestess Presence Temple. So I wanted Letty to come on today because, well, not only because you're fabulous, darling, and you are doing so many wonderful things in the world, but Letty holds some specific keys of um, the divine feminine journey that I wanted her to talk about to us all today. And so, Letty, I would love to just invite you to begin with us. I've been noodling a lot about this word embodiment over the last little while here for many, many different reasons. We use it a lot in the divine feminine community and the goddess spirituality community. And we bandy this word around embodiment. We're going to embody this and it's a journey of embodiment. And somebody asked me not too long ago, well, what does that really mean? And so I've been kind of engaging in that conversation with a few other women in my space. And I would love to get to begin that conversation with you of what does it mean to be on a journey of embodiment? And why is that so important when it comes to the divine feminine journey? So wherever you want to step in, in that, I would love to. Yeah. Um, You know, the thing is, 
we we fill a lot of things in our heads. We're we're actually socialized to be centered mentally, to do a lot of mentating, to rationalize and to try to make sense of things, to, you know, use the scientific method. You know, there there's just these ways of looking at the world just through our physical senses, just through our mental processes, um, thinking, thinking, thinking. And a lot of that thinking doesn't amount to a whole lot. (laughs) You can spend tens of thousands of dollars in academia filling Mm -hmm. your head with things, Mm -hmm. but still not become the walking, talking, breathing embodiment of it. It's like you can't master a sport just by reading the playbook. (laughs) You've got to know what that means in your body, right? No matter what sport it is, you, you can learn the rules, you can learn the history, you can learn everything up here in your head. But then what is it? What does it feel like in your body when you're running like the wind? What does it feel like when you catch the ball? What does it feel like when you serve, when you crack a bat or whatever? Mm. What does that what does that feel like in your body? So that's a, a more mundane physical aspect of it. But when we're talking about divine feminine embodiment, it's like, what is what is it? What is sensuality? What does intimacy? What does that feel like in your body? You're not going to get the full story or picture in your head, right? It's only when you get out of it that you actually really know it. <sighs> Oof. Well, first and foremost, I see Letty, the athlete in, in the room. Letty's <laughs> also extraordinary athlete, by the way. Yeah, this woman is fierce. <laughs> Um, and so I want to honor that I I really got it right like you can't yeah you can't learn how to do it you can't learn the dance without actually doing the dance right so we can't we have to move into an experience and when I hear you saying like this obsession we have about thinking about things one of the things that I've been you know contemplating contemplation being a different thing than thinking by the way everybody um is this place where we come into the experience of being in something rather than thinking about it. And one of the things I come across with women that I work with, and I know this is true for you within the temple, is this split between thinking about it as you're in it. So you're separating from the experience whilst you're in the experience, right? Which is what we're taught to do, to analyze it, pick it apart, think about it as we're doing it, kind of to remove ourselves rather than fully immersing ourselves in the actual experience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and you, you brought up dancing, which is also a really good, um, a good metaphor to play with because even as a dancer, you might know the choreography and know the steps, but embodiment is this step beyond where you're not dancing, you're being danced. Woo! So like the the passion, the energy, you get taken to another dimension of awareness in the dance beyond the steps. That's when your physicality, you know, the muscle memory kicks in. And just like you can drive home without noticing the turns, 
<laughs> you've embodied your route home. You can do that with only half your attention, right? But right. that's that transcendence. That is that is an extra dimension of awareness, and that's what embodiment is. Oh my gosh, that's so great. I'm gonna underscore that. So you learn the steps to the dance and you you know you're using your mind to learn that, your body to learn that, all aspects. But when you actually dance the dance, you aren't dancing it, you are being danced. And I think this is the piece when people ask me about temple space too. And in temple we talk about this a lot, where we move outside of our ego thinking mind, our executive functioning, right? That's not the only thing that's online. And the embodiment process is, is that when we speak in temple, we are being spoken. It's like the words speak through us and we become larger, if you will. We become more in contact with that divinity. So this is where that conversation comes in is what's the connection between the divinity and embodiment, like, why is that so important? And maybe we could unpack that a little bit because we've been taught that divinity is a transcendent thing, right? That we go up and out, it's up there somewhere in a big old cloud in the sky. And it's male, by the way. <laughs> we've been taught that one too. Uh, you know, and that's the model that we've been operating under for the last three to 4,000 years in the Western culture. So what's that for you, that connection between embodiment and divinity? Like, why is that so important? Well, because, because we're spirits inside of these bodies, we're more than just these bodies. And so, you know, it, it's funny, I grew up evangelical Christian, and I was taught all the terminology and all the scriptures and all that stuff. It's, it's embedded in me, right? It, it, it's not never going to go anywhere. And but we always talk about God, the father, God, the father. And when I got on the spiritual, the divine feminine journey that I've been on as priestess, what I had this moment where I was like, what, what makes a father a father? There's a womb in there somewhere. There is a woman, it, you know, a, a, a man doesn't become a father unless there's a womb and a woman involved. And so it's almost like it's always been right there. The, this, this, this conversation for what is divine. Right. And, you know, and that's where there was this shift between God being this out there male figure to actually just being the living embodiment of spirit. And all that language is in there too. It's like the spirit of God lives within me. It is closer than my neck vein and nearer than my hands and feet. What is that? What is that? And so I, when you start asking those kinds of questions, it takes you down a lot of different pathways. And so, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So all of these things, what does that within mean? It is our consciousness. It, it is, it is the thing that is witnessing the thinking. <laughs> like if you think about your thoughts, right? If I say, don't think about a purple elephant. <laughs> all of a sudden there is a picture there. Uh -huh. And what's witnessing the picture? Because you're not seeing it with your physical eyes, right? So what is that? 
something yeah. going on inside and we're 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 not encouraged to question i think that was also my my challenge with christianity is i had all these questions and nobody would answer it oh. and um it redirected or deflected away from these troublesome questions sometimes <laughs> and so there you know divinity and embodiment are one in the same to me because it it is an acknowledgement of that life force energy that is animating us we can see it when the body is laid down and that spark that light that energy that electricity that fire is not there anymore because it was just in this container of the body but energy is not created or destroyed, right? It just keeps changing form. So. Yeah. Oh, I love all of those references. And, you know, I know we share a background in that very different because I was raised in England, but I was raised in the Church of England. I was raised in the evangelical born-again Christian church in England too. So I had both these strains of Christianity extraordinarily different. Um, and one of my my breaks with the church and I've spoken about this story in various different places but it was such a seminal moment was when I was going to get confirmed right and I was the confirmation ceremony in the church of England is you go and the bishop is going to come and we drew dress in the white dresses but it's not the same as the catholic um process but the bishop's going to come and they're going to anoint you with the holy oil to consecrate your vessel as a confirmed christian right you're choosing this as a young person and i remember being so excited i had been on this path i was 13 years old and i had been devout in my christianity i was like full on in there you know jesus was my best friend and i was like you know um and, and I stood there in the pew and I had this unnerving feeling when the bishop came up to me and he was this crusty old white dude with the big hat on, right? Didn't smell particularly great, didn't look particularly yummy, right? Like that whole thing. And he came and he had the oil and he put his, he put his hand on my head and I was looking at him in the eyes because I was so like ready to receive the rapture of Christ, right? Whatever, right? I was ready, you know? And um, this was not the evangelical church, y'all. <laughs> this was the Church of England. There was no rapture happening in the Church of England. Anyway, he touches me. And in that split second, there was some part of me that remembered and knew something about this. And I said, this is not real. You're not doing <laughs> You don't know how to do it. You're not conferring the Holy Spirit to me. You're not transmitting that love. There is nothing there. You're going through that, the, the, the empty ritual because you do not know what it is to be embodied here as love. You've no idea. And that split me from the church. And it was such a, I couldn't have articulated that at 13. But that's what it was. But my instinct knew something. My deep feminine instinctual power smelt the bullshit and was like, this is not real. And then it sent me on a quest. I left the church and, you know, started my journey because I was like, I cannot. And then I, you know, turned around and went, well, where are all the freaking women? Why are there no women here? Hello? What is going on? There are no women in this church. And the only women in this church are in the congregation and they look half dead. What is happening, right? 
And it was a massive wake-up call to the path of embodied spirituality, which is the definition of the divine feminine, which you are talking to, Letty, in this place of, you know, we are spirit and matter. We are both, but we are here to live a spiritual life within our humanity. That's the whole point. And a spiritual life within our humanity means we're embodied as humans, but we also know that we're a spirit. You know, Ariel, who's our teacher from the 13 Moon Mystery School, always says, and I love this, and she said, it's the difference between pointing at the moon and being the moon. Mm. Right? Whenever we read or touch into something that has us become it, that's why we love poetry so much, right? Is when we become it, or the music, where we become it, we're immersed in it, we're, 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 we're intoxicated with it. We move out of the subject object to that unity field. So I'm wondering if you, yeah, what, what comes for you from me sharing that story? Because I know you've got your own version of this. I, well, I do. I do. I, I think you might have heard it, the, the evangelical, where it's like a, a tent revival and, you know, they do the altar call to recommit yourself to Jesus. And I was all for it. You know, we get in there, we're all lined up in front of the pulpit. And, um, and so he's going and he's laying on hands, right? And he's probably about eight people down from me and I'm about 12 or 13 and I'm standing in the line and my heart is open. You know, I want what everybody else has because I was in one of them Pentecostal Holy Ghost people be dancing, and shaking and shouting and speaking in tongues and stuff. And, and I was with it, you know, like I'm in it. I'm in the, you know, the music. I'm leaning in and I'm, I'm looking at these women that's just getting it on. Right. And I was like, like, what do I need to do to get some of that? You know, it was like I was kind of like, I'll have what she's having kind of thing. <laughs> So, so they're, so he's coming down the line and everybody he lays hands on, they just laid out and there's an usher right behind them with the white gloves on catching people and then laying them down so they don't hit their head. And, oh, he gets to me and I'm, I'm like, wait for it. <laughs> and he puts his hand on my forehead and I'm, I'm just waiting to be filled with the spirit. I want to be what they call slain in the spirit. I'm like full, all for it. And he, he pushes on my head and nothing happens. And I'm waiting like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it again. And then I'm kind of like <sighs> conscious now, like, oh, well, mm, maybe I got the devil in me or something. Let me cover this up. So next time he pushed on my head, I just fell back, you know, and, and just let it fall. But, <sighs> but after that, I was still like. What am I missing here? <laughs> I'm doing all the things that I'm told that I'm supposed to do to be right with God. And, and why isn't this happening for me? And the first time that I felt some sense of embodiment and expansion of my spirit inside my body, I was a freshman in high school. A couple years later, I wasn't in the church anymore. And my English teacher assigned us to read the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, which was the story of the Buddha. And I read that story. And when I got, it was a little short one. So I did it in like a day, you know, the half a day. And I finished it. And I felt my, like my heart just went whoosh. And I just hadn't felt that before. And I, I felt one with everything. And I, you know, and, and there was like, 
I think that's what I've been waiting for. Like that sensation in my body, you know, there's been a, a few other times, touchstones in my life where I felt that transcendence mm -hmm. where I'm in my body, but I'm not of this body. Like I, I am able to feel everything that is encapsulating me here, you know, and, and it's, it's a curiosity and you never forget it. You never forget it. And the embodiment of just, I'm not alone, you know, it's, it, it is healing it is nourishing and it's fuel for the spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it makes the difficulties and the challenges and the things that you come up that much easier because you know that this is not all there is. Yeah. There is something more. Yeah. There is something more, you know, I think it's so fascinating. And for those of you who are hanging out with us right now to have a little think about that, to feel into, you know, when were those moments in your life where you connected with something that you could call the embodied presence of the divine, because we all have examples of that. It's why we, you know, spend time in nature. Nature is, is a great experience. And I know for me as a kid, that was my reference point was the some of the feelings that I would have in nature where I would be just ecstatic. So at one with the beauty or the moment of whatever it was that I was experiencing and how to actually live from that place that open place where we are filled with, with spirit, where we are filled with that light inside our humanity. And I think one of the things, Laddie, for me is so, so deeply magnetic about the divine feminine mysteries is that therein we find the blueprints, right? The, the, the journey of how we become ensouled, of how we come down into this body and actually live through our soul being, not di disconnected from it, but live through it in our human bodies and human lives. And so I'm curious, as you've been on this path for, you know, however long it is, this lifetime, on this soul's journey. <laughs> right, a couple decades now. <laughs> exactly. You know, what has been one of the most seminal moments for you of awakening to your to that embodied divine presence. I mean, I hear the Siddhartha experience when you read that book. And I think for many of us, there are those seminal books, right? For me, one of them was actually Jean Shinoda Bolan. When I, way back in the early days, she wrote a book called Crossing to Avalon. And when I read this book, it was like, she was the only person who'd ever used that word Avalon in my midst. And I must've been, I don't know, 20 and um, I read that book and it was like everything. I could have underlined the whole book, right? I was just like, oh, th th this is it. This is what I came here for. So, but I'm curious, as you've been on this journey, what's another seminal point where you really integrated, oh, this is what it is to be involved in my spirituality? Mm, oh, my goodness. Um, 
gosh, there's there's a couple of them. It's kind of interesting. They're all kind of physical, you yeah. know, because my my access point to my spirit was the physicality. When you talk about being an athlete, you know, I remember the first time I ran the Chicago Marathon, I had um, I struggled a little bit. You know, it took me like five hours to do it. And I remember uh, uh, turning the corner in the last quarter mile. And I knew like one more bend and I'd have this long stretch to the finish line. And I kept seeing other people ahead of me and you could hear the roar of the crowd. So I'm running and I feel like all my limbs about to fall off. (laughs) And I'm running and then all of a sudden there's like this surge of energy and the way that they did it, it's like, there's like this hill. It's like the last incline you got to do. And then it's downhill and around the bend to the finish line. And I, I hit this hill and I'm thinking I can't do it. And then there was like something lifted me from within. Wow. And I couldn't breathe. (laughs) It was like, I lost my breath and I kept moving and, and, and I felt carried and it was just like, and when I crossed and then my loved ones were there and, you know, they give you a medal and they give you a, a, a metallic blanket. And I just wept because it was like, mm. my Mind and my spirit carried me more than my body. My body kept saying, oh, no, I can't do this. What are you doing to me? Why are we doing this? And and my spirit and my heart and everything just said, you got this, baby. You know, and it was just like crossing that finish line and, 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 and completing that one journey showed me more about the, the power of my spirit the power of my intention, the power of something way greater than me because the average person is like, why the hell would I run 26 miles? Why would I even do that? Who does that? You know? So it was just like, so that was one of those moments. And another one is I, you know, the first time I I went to Peru and I climbed to the peak that was across from Mount Machu Picchu. And the way that our guides did it is that we were all holding hands in a chain up the side of the switchbacks to get up to the, to this last bend. And, um, and they were making sure we were safe, right? (laughs) Walking up a mountain with your eyes closed, right? Just holding the hand of the person in front of you and behind you. And then they, when we were in place, they had us open our eyes and I opened my eyes from this summit and, and I could see the whole temple complex and you could see the mountains and you can see, and it was just like my spirit just rose out of my body and somebody captured a picture of it. It's, it's on my Facebook, you know, and I've never changed that banner in 13 years because that was a moment that peak experience of feeling one with every element, with the air, with the water, with the with the, the fire of the sun, with the earth and beneath my feet as the mountain. It was like I became all of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's times like this where there's no words, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just no words. There's just your breath. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, that, that saying, like, it took my breath away. It's just, but our breath is the seminal part of our life force, you know? And so it's like your life force can extend beyond this physical body temple and merge with everything, every molecule around you. Mm -hmm. That's what it is for me. Wow, my love. I feel that place of the the interface between the mundane and the sacred, right? This place between our human existence in this world and when we step into the bigger picture of those moments that you're speaking about and we become divinely intoxicated like awakened in our physical body that marriage that happens and i feel like there's those peak experiences that you're speaking about like the marathon like this place to machu picchu where which is part of what drives us in our humanity for these experiences, right? We're called towards these extraordinary places and towards these um, extraordinary experiences physically, emotionally, psychologically, you know, in order to expand out of the ordinary. And I think that there's that the desire for that altered state that says I am more than just this humanity, to have an experience of that. And for me, um, I can speak to it from the other, sort of another place, which is really interesting. So for me, it's, you know, a lot of my <clears throat> deep feelings of, of being embodied are to do with the awakening of com- compassion in my heart for humanity, for myself and for others in those deep places where I touch into that milk of human kindness, and what animates that kindness in us and that compassion in us. And for me, it's been through the underworld journeys that I've taken this lifetime. And I know you've had enough of those yourself, darling. <laughs> oh, yeah. For me, there is this deep, deep reverence to the underworld journey of, and what, by underworld, I really mean not the hell realms, which is kind of what we've been taught to think of it as, but the journey of coming down into the humility of our humanity, that's my, in my journey this lifetime is really understanding that not from a mental perspective, but from a emotional, deep psychological feeling, spiritual place. It's a melding of all of that where my heart gets awakened to the plight of humanity and everybody doesn't matter who it is is going to break get a broken heart it's going to be broken hearted it's going to be in some way deeply affected by this human life through loss through whatever traumas whatever challenges and that sounds really weird but for me those journeys a part of what it is to awaken our spirituality. Not that we need to suffer to do it. That's how what the Christian church took that to mean. It's not about suffering and it's not about punishment. Those things I will say really clearly. But it is about a softening of the heart. And that journey to soften and awaken the heart of compassion has been my, my understanding of what it is to be embodied 
is as a human being with a heart that is awakened to the presence of that unconditional love, that we are all in this. And, you know, when I think about a lot of the teachings from the Bible that I learned as a kid, you know, we have that cliche of, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And we're all like, yeah, 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 whatever. But what does that actually really mean as an embodied spirituality? And what happens if you don't love yourself? (laughs) You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself, right? So it's fascinating to me. But that journey of imminence is one that has been really misunderstood in our culture. And we've been told that we are sinful, right? That we are wrong. We need to prove ourselves as good. The journey of insolvent says that we are divine, only becoming more embodied. Good, only getting better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the work that people, you know, call self-help or, you know, new age, they think they're getting something, but the the reality is it's the reverse. It's it's that releasing and that letting go and that sloughing off and that unlearning and uninstalling of programming Ooh. that tells you that you're anything other than whole mm. and holy yeah. and divine. That's right. That's right. That's the work. Beautiful. So if you're curious about this conversation and what we're really talking about, this all of what we're talking about is absolutely embedded in the Priestess Presence Temple, the work that we do over there, in particular with our work in a program called Enter the Mystery, which is the 13 Moon Mystery School curriculum of which Letty is one of the senior priestesses and mentors who who helps hold that space. And, you know, it's a year-long immersion into, a, as a priestess initiatory, initiatory training in embodiment, in embodied spirituality, and actually what does it mean to really, truly walk our talk on this planet as spiritual beings having a human experience. And right. I I just want to bow to you, Letty, because Letty's been part of that for a very long time. And one of the things that I think is so powerful about this is, is that when we, we can talk about, like you started this conversation, Letty, by saying we can talk about it, we can think about it, but unless we actually have a an embodied practice of something, we can't become it. We can't we can't un, unfold it within self. Like you 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 can't do it without actually walking the the walk. Right. 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 Yeah. Like you like <laughs> I I I don't know why this analogy is coming up, but it's like the cake. You know, it's like look, you can put you can have flour and eggs and sugar and milk. You know, but you're not going to get a cake until you put it together and get some heat on it. And what Enter the Mystery really does is it it is a container. It is the oven. It is some heat, you know, and and your life then is what rises, what becomes sweet, what becomes delicious. (laughs) So. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, any anyone who wants to learn more about Letty's amazing work, you can head over to her links, which are below this podcast, and find out more about her. If you're interested in our year-long priestess initiation training, we are just about to open up registration in the next week or so. So that is something that you can learn more about um, on the links on my bio. Um, and, um, and I just want to just bow to all of us who are remembering 
what it is to walk an embodied spirituality because that's really what it is. We're remembering what was known to us at other points in time and has been eclipsed in the, as I said, in the last few thousand years by a spirituality that has tended toward the transcendent and not the embodied experience of being here. So I love your humanity. <laughs> yes. I love the humans as well as the spirit that embodies us as humans, because you know, as human beings, we're pretty freaking amazing. I have to say, you know, with the light and the shadow that we travel through, with what the, we can of the the uh, the expanse of our ability to be able to feel and to create magic and to create incredible beauty, as well as the destruction that gets created, the both and is quite extraordinary. So I, I really bow to all of us who are on this journey. So thanks for being here, loves. Thank you, Letty. Yes, thank you for having me, for sure. <laughs> and, um, and we'll be back with another episode of The Right Podcast very shortly, so stay tuned. And I'm just sending my love to you all. Blessed be, sisters. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.